This is Garden Variety, a horticulture podcast from Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension and Outreach. I'm Charity Nebbe. Birds are fun to watch and listen to, and they are also an important part of our ecosystem. Gardeners, homeowners, and landscapers can do a lot to attract and support birds. Here to tell us how, Adam Jenke, Associate Professor of Natural Resource Ecology and Management at Iowa State University and ISU Extension Wildlife Specialist. Hello, Adam. Good morning, Charity. Thank you so much for being here. And, of course, it's really easy to take birds for granted. We see them all the time. We hear them all the time. They've always been there. But... There are a lot of bird species that are in decline, aren't there? Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what I thought when you said they've always been there. Is like we shouldn't, of course, be complacent in taking that for granted because, you know, their survival is not necessarily assured. And we have history to tell us about scenarios where, you know, once really common birds became, well, of course, in some rare cases extinct. But uh, like the case of the bald eagle became very rare very quickly with the use of DDT in the mid 20th century. And then fortunately we turned that around and today they're ubiquitous. So uh, that is the case with birds um, from a bunch of different uh, guilds. Some are thriving. Uh, namely right now we think sort of water birds and wetland birds are doing quite well in North America. And then some are really struggling like the case with grassland birds that have declined 53% since uh, the 1970s. So some birds are really struggling and all birds could certainly use our help. Yeah, there was a the 2022 U.S. State of Birds report that came out just about a month ago said that more than half of all bird species in the United States are declining right now. So that that seems like obviously, you know, there are some specific bird species that are in trouble, but it feels like a much bigger problem overall. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, we see that with insects as well. And there are these sort of signals uh, across the globe about biodiversity declines that we get worried about. And um, we, we, when we look to solutions, of course, there's no one silver bullet, but a commonality across wildlife species and wildlife uh, population declines is that they just need places to live. And they, so that means they need habitat. And so that's why it is that um, wildlife professionals like me are always sort of uh, banging on the tables to get people to think about where we can have wildlife habitat in and around the places where we live and work and uh, play uh, to try to have uh, to make sure these birds or other wildlife species are around for future generations. All right. Well, let's talk about building that habitat around our homes. Because, again, I think it's so easy to take birds for granted. It's easy to also say, hey, birds love trees and bushes. <laughs> They're going to like yeah. whatever I plant, right? Well, and that is true. That's one of the funny things about wildlife is you basically can't do anything without impacting, positively impacting some species of wildlife. The extreme example of this I always like to point to is killdeer, which will be a familiar bird uh, to many people in agricultural landscapes. They they yell their name, killdeer, killdeer, killdeer in flight, and uh, they build their nests on gravel roads. And so if we were to help the killdeer, we would just build more gravel roads. And that's sort of an extreme, but I always like to point out that when we talk about wildlife habitat, it could be anything from a gravel road to what we tend to think more of wildlife habitat, which is kind of diverse native ecosystems like wetlands, forests, uh, and prairies that we have in Iowa. And in many cases, especially in urban areas or in yards, what I always just say is we want to mimic those places. We don't necessarily need, you know, our backyard to go back to the nature, to go totally wild. But what you can do is understand what species of wildlife that you really like and you want to attract to your yard need from their sort of native ecosystems or 
the places where they live in the wild, say, uh, and sort of do some work to try to mimic those things in your own backyard, uh, in landscaping or, or with the selection of, of uh, plants, or even in some cases like artificial structures like birdhouses, uh, mimicking nature to try to attract those species of wildlife to places where we live. And we see different bird species at different times of year because of, of their patterns of living, but also bird species have different needs at different times of year. So when we think about planting in the landscape, we probably think of, need to think about multiple different needs. So we should probably start at the beginning with nesting. How do we want to think about providing support for birds during the nesting season? Yes. Um, so I think there was a, a chicken in the egg joke here, Charity. I was trying <laughs> to think of it. I thought, well, yeah, we'll start at the beginning with that egg. So uh, where do birds place their, their eggs? Of course, uh, there's a, you know, birds place their eggs everywhere, but we can make some generalizations. Most of our city birds tend to nest, um, you know, build, build nest structures up in woody vegetation primarily. That's a good place for bird nests, at least in our city environments. And so um, sometimes what we talk about with attracting nesting birds is to think about woody plants that have complex horizontal branching structure. Uh, that's just basically flat places for birds to build nests on. Uh, the classic example for me of this is like a hawthorn tree. I think hawthorns are just this beautiful sort of underlooked, uh, overlo- overlooked uh, native tree, a uh, small tree and uh, they have a lot of complex horizontal branches. And that just means lots of places for birds like cardinals and robins to sort of settle one of their nests uh, into that tree. Um, of course, further up into the canopy, birds will nest, you know, throughout all the way up to the tree tops. But another thing to think about for good places for bird nests is actually dead branches or even dead trees um, where woodpeckers can excavate cavities uh, for their own use. And then lots of other species of birds and other animals will come in and use them after the woodpeckers are done. Um, and so sometimes in urban places, as long as it's safe, not over, you know, over the house or over a sidewalk or something, it can be really uh, good for wildlife to leave dead branches or even dead standing trees for wildlife habitat as well. And then that certainly goes against the instinct of a lot of people, especially right. in urban That's areas. Right. So you can yep. be doing something good by doing a little bit less in your yep. environment. Um, you mentioned uh, briefly, you mentioned native species. And of course, we're trying to support our native bird populations. Is it important that we are planting native species in our landscape to support these birds? Yeah, that's a great question. So actually, and it's a perfect transition from the placement of the nest to the survival of the young. And so the placement of the nest, you heard me talking about structure, dead stuff, horizontal branching, you know, places to hide a nest. And and so the species of tree or the species of shrub that the bird's placing that, that nest in is really inconsequential for the placement, the structural uh, consideration. But baby birds have to feed, of course, and baby birds, uh, of course, don't get milk from their mothers like mammals do. So they need to find their their nitrogen or their protein uh, from the environment. And the way most birds do that is by feeding their young lots of insects and even more specifically feeding their young lots of caterpillars. And so there's, you know, thousands of species of moths and hundreds of species of butterflies or over 100 species of butterflies found in Iowa they all, of course, have a caterpillar, and those caterpillars uh, are the basis on which baby birds are grown in Iowa. 
And those moths and butterflies need primarily native plants to raise their young. And so that's the connection between native plants and birds is that native plants foster a lot more insects that can be the really important, you know, meet the really uh, strict dietary needs of an actively growing bird. And so native plants are really consequential for that. And specifically native woody plants, um, lots of butterflies and moths are adapted to a relatively small number of native uh, woody plants that we find in Iowa. And if they don't have those native woody plants on which to lay their eggs and grow their caterpillars, then they won't be able to reproduce. And so that's sort of the, the bird butterfly uh, native plant connection is, is, uh, goes in that direction. Right. Well, and so many people are excited about planting for pollinators now. This is another way to think about planting for pollinators. That's absolutely right. Um, in, in woody plants, of course, often flower as well, and they're really important nectar resources. We think especially early in the year, lots of woody plants bloom early before growing those uh, fruits that will come on later in the year. Uh, and that can be a really important nectar source. And then this host plant um, equation that's important for birds is really um, important to consider for insects and, and other wildlife species as well. All right. You already said that you thought that the, the hawthorn tree is overlooked. Are there other native, particularly shrubs, that we should think about putting in our landscape? Because I know a lot of people get attracted to shrubs that are not native because they're showy. Are there some native yeah. shrubs that we should be thinking about? Yeah. Well, um, yes, of course there are. There's lots of native species of shrubs. Um, a couple that come to mind. One, anything in the cherry or plum family, which is the scientific genus Prunus, uh, they have, they, they sort of disproportionately host high densities of uh, moth and butterfly uh, caterpillars. And so they're one of these, like we call them keystone genera uh, that have really attract a high density of uh, our native moth and butterfly species. And so um, things like American plum and then a, a bunch of different um, shrubby cherry species like sand cherry. And uh, we could bring Aaron in to give us some more specifics in a bit. But anything in that prunus genus is a really good choice. Um, and then other native shrubs that look good in landscapes, dogwoods are great. I don't know specifically about uh, dogwoods and, and butterflies and moths, but they can be really uh, good fruit late in the year uh, for migrating birds. They, many migratory uh, songbirds fuel their migration on fruits and dogwoods produce a really nice fruit that's available uh, during that time of the year. Um, anything in the um, viburnum family can be both beautiful, like um, uh, nanny berry uh, can be both be beautiful and produce that fruit and provide really good structure. So lots of native shrub uh, species available um, for for birds and you just kind of have to figure out what ma what matches uh, the soils and conditions of the site and what the sort of aesthetics that you want to go for are. Now, I'm only going to give you 30 seconds right now to answer this question. A lot of people love to put up birdhouses to support their favorite bird species. How do you feel about birdhouses? Oh, I think they're great. Um, you know, different species of birds benefit. Um, there's a lot of consideration that should be given to the size of the hole. Um, all those birds are pretty adapted to a specific size of hole. And so you can find great resources from the Cornell Lab of Ornithology all about different species that like different sizes of holes and can kind of inform your approach for uh, putting the right birdhouse out there. 
Adam Jenke, Associate Professor of Natural Resource Ecology and Management in Iowa State University, Extension Wildlife Specialist. For more gardening information and tips, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. You can find out more at iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. the environment? In Kansas, we're working on it. Up From Dust is a podcast about how humans reshaped the world to fit urban landscapes and agricultural needs. We'll meet the people who are rolling up their sleeves to find more sustainable ways forward. Listen to Up From Dust from KCUR, part of the NPR Network. Garden Variety is a production of Iowa Public Radio and Iowa State University Extension. It's produced by me, Aaron Style, Caitlin Troutman, and the Iowa Public Radio talk show team. For more garden goodness, please subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter. Just go to iowapublicradio.org slash garden. I'm Charity Nebbe. See you next time.